0: This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. What an honor to, to speak this morning, and I really do believe it's something that the Lord placed in my heart, and so when you ever, whenever you come to the pulpit and you have that confidence in your heart that what is there um, is from God, then there's... Um, It added dimension. So let's read from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 29. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrea. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Now, there's a line this morning that I want to zero in. For our time together this morning. Here's the line, verse 27. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Many years ago, and yes, emphasis on many, as an evangelist, I was traveling week to week from church to church, and I would often find myself sitting at the dining table of the pastor or in a booth in some restaurant after the evening service, listening as they talked they needed someone to talk to someone with whom they felt safe to unload they need to sit down with someone they could trust and say listen this is really the way it is this is the way we feel and it was not uncommon to hear things like this this has been the toughest year of our ministry it wasn't that way every week but it often would happen one battle after another, they would say. We don't, we don't know what to pray anymore. We prayed and prayed. We're so confused. We just don't know what to say anymore. Have you ever been there? Anyone here ever been there? And Down through the years of pastoring, I've sat with individuals and couples and listened as they expressed their lack of answers for the circumstances they were in. And Dream and I have experienced our share of times when we found ourselves saying, we've run out of answers. We just don't know what to say. And we find from our text that there's someone else along the way who was in the same position. They were so deeply troubled, distraught, and unsettled. Their heart had such unrest that they didn't know what to say. And it was none other than the Lord himself. It is Jesus who said, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Does that kind of shock you? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at that coming from anybody else, from some lesser mortal, from someone who had inherited Adam's sin, but this is the master of all worlds. And yet he confesses, my heart is troubled, and I don't know what to say. You mean Jesus himself is at a loss of words? Do you mean he who knew the Father's will from the beginning to the end and all in between? He comes to a point where he says, I don't know what to say. I'm in such distress, my heart is torn. And I just want to mention that the tense of that verb, it wasn't just a passing thing. Our translation makes it somewhat sound like that this is just... It just came upon me all of a sudden. But the idea, there's, the idea here is that there's a continuing state, a condition that our Lord was in. It's a revelation about Jesus that even when He was speaking with such authority, such power, such peace, this verse reveals that all the while there is turbulence underneath the calm. He's not saying that all of a sudden my heart's been troubled. No, he he said, my heart's been troubled all along. For he says, I know I have come into this world for one cause. And it was when those Greeks showed up that it reminded him of it. What's happening to Jesus is a conflict of emotions. These Greeks, these Gentiles come and say, we want to see Jesus. And that's the first indication that the gospel is going to be for all people, all tribes, all nations. That salvation is going to be worldwide. So here's this struggle of emotions. There is the emotion of joy because here are men who want to see him. But there's the emotion of dread. There's conflict and struggle. Because Jesus knows that their fulfillment of that desire can only be accomplished if he's willing to die. So he says... Now my heart is torn in different directions. What shall I say? Listen, if we can grasp this morning this as it applies to Jesus, we can understand it as it applies to us in our lives. And let's be honest, let's be honest. There's not one one among us this morning that has not come to a place somewhere in your life during this pilgrimage where the circumstances you're facing bring you to this place of saying my heart is so troubled and I don't know what to say. I've sat with parents whose son or daughter's on drugs and they don't even know where they are. And they say, we prayed and we prayed and we just don't know what to say now. I've listened as a spouse tells me that their husband or wife has announced there's somebody else and wants to end their marriage. They've prayed all the prayers and that they know to pray, and they've done all that the books have told them to do. And now they just don't know what else to say or what, what to pray anymore. There's the lost job. Followed what seems to be a hundred different interviews, resumes sent, and phone calls made, and now I just don't know what to do or what else to say. I think, I think we become more vulnerable than ever at times like this because we're liable to say something that later on we wish we hadn't said amen sometimes at a job yes yes let's be honest even in ministry we say my heart is troubled and I don't know what to say I know what I'll say I'll say I quit that's what I'll say Sometimes at those moments, if we aren't careful, we'll say the wrong thing. Trust me, I know. Ever have a dinner on words you spewed out? At times when we're overwhelmed, at times of intense pressure, you say things that you regret saying. And I can remember times of not having to wait too long. I can remember... Something flying out of my mouth that when I looked in Dreama's eyes, I wished that I could suck those words back in my mouth and swallow them from her hearing. James, with the help of Pastor Devin, has been helping us with some good advice on that, hasn't he? Sometimes we just need to zip it. So the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about what to say when you don't know what to say. Look at verse 27, my heart is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And then verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Listen, there's always, whatever the circumstance, whatever the turmoil, whatever the confusion in your heart and life, there's something you can be sure is proper and fitting to say. Always. This is it. Father, glorify your name. That's what you say when you don't know what to say. When no other prayer seems to work. And you've read all the books and gone through all the steps and nothing's changed. And you're facing an uncertain future and there's nothing but darkness in your heart. And you don't know what to even ask God. And if God were to say, what do you want? I'll give it to you. You're even afraid to say anything, afraid you'll ask for the wrong thing that later will regret. Listen, this is always right. This is always fitting. Father, glorify your name. And here's what will happen. Here's what happens from the depths of your heart when you pray, Father, glorify your name. There's three things that happen, and it immediately immediately brings you to a sense of, number one, Security. Security. Notice the first word that Jesus uses, Father. He doesn't say God. He doesn't sound like he's repeating some religious dead liturgy. He doesn't say, oh, mighty one of the universe. Jesus' prayer doesn't sound like some impersonal ritual. It's relational. He says, Father. Sometimes I think we tend to forget an important person. We say so much about Jesus, and we ought to, because He's the only one that can get us to the Father. And from my Pentecostal roots, we said a lot about the Holy Spirit, and we should, because He's the one that draws us to Jesus. But we shouldn't forget the Father. We need to remember the Father. Because it was for this purpose that Jesus came into the world, to save the lost and to reveal to us that God is a father. This God who created all things, this God who was a God of terrible judgment when he destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, yet is a father. What a revelation. That means that we can put our destiny into the hands of a loving father. Not an impersonal being, but a Father who loves us and cares. You know, I I feel sorry for people who rush to read their horoscope to see if the stars and planets are aligned for their good or for their bad. Listen, my life is not in the hands of some impersonal fate or in the position of the stars and planets, but it's in the hands of a Heavenly Father who, first of all, knows me. He knows me. He knows where I am, he knows what's going on in my life, and he loves me. And I shouldn't be afraid to say, Father, glorify your name, because I shouldn't be afraid of my Father. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, of daughtership. And by him we cry Abba. It's an Aramaic endearment, like Daddy. Abba, Father. And I love the sense you get from the message translation. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grade tending life, it's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? Matthew 7 9 to 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm blessed to still have my dad in my life here on earth. He's moving toward 95. One of the places that Devin visited was um, to spend time with my dad. I I remember when dad told me the day I called him and we were talking about Devin. And I don't know where Devin was in the world at that day, but I remember that Devin, uh, he said, Devin... He's not just going to sing. This was a long time before. I said, oh, Dad, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad he's singing for the Lord. He said, no, no, he's going to pastor. So he went to sit with this man whom I love, and every time I call him, I can hear the joy in his voice just to hear me say, hey, Dad, this is Ron. Dream and I are proud to be the parents of three kids and 11 grandkids. Imagine, 11. Fertile kids. (laughs) And there's no way I can explain to you the joy I feel when I hear on the other end of the line, this is Heather. Hey, Dad, this is Devin. Can you talk for a couple minutes? Dad, this is Heidi. Or now, hey, Papa, I love you. You're, how many grandparents do we have here today? You know what I'm talking about. The other day we were cleaning the church and uh, I was rushing, changing the garbage bags in the trash cans. And I just opened the restroom door and grabbed out the one and threw the other one down and this sweet little voice said, Hi, Papa. And I looked around and Sterling was cleaning the sinks and the restroom. And just that sound, you know. And I stopped and I said, Sterling girl, I love you. And she said, I love you too, Papa. I mean, how can you explain that feeling? You know what? It's no different with our Heavenly Father. It's just not. He loves us. And when we go to Him in relation, out of relation, He he lets us know that He loves us. His word expresses it. That's why Jesus came. He's our Father who loves us. And when I don't know which way to turn, and I don't know what to say, I can always say, Father, glorify Your name. And when I do, there's such a sense of security in that prayer because I'm talking to my Father who cares. And that an all. He's in control. Now, we earthly fathers, one of the problems we have is that sometimes our kids get out of control. And we're not in control. But here's what you know about your heavenly father who loves you, he knows you, and he is in control. What security to know that my heavenly father is there waiting for me to call out to him. And there is number two, submission. Submission. When you say, Father... Glorify your name. There's submission. Notice what Jesus says. He says, my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Well, I I could say, Father, save me from this situation. That's what most of us would say, by the way. Help me. Get me out of here. This person that's bugging me, get rid of them. That's what we could say. And Jesus is tempted at that moment because the thing that is troubling him causing the turmoil in his heart, is that he knows he has to face Gethsemane. This is the Gethsemane before the Gethsemane. So he says, what can I say? And the first thing that comes to his mind, and I think the humanness of Jesus, our Lord, is shown here as perhaps no other place. It comes to his mind like it would come to your mind. It comes to his mind like it would come to mine. Father, deliver me from this hour. That's really what I'd like to say. Any pastor who's preaching the word, who's making an impact for the kingdom of God, knows what it's like to have the devil show up and say, Hey, preacher, I'll make you a deal. How many know that the devil is in the bargain making business? Always trying to get us to lower our standard, our commitment trying to get us to back off a little, just a little, on doing the Father's will in our lives. He says, I'll make you a deal. I'll leave you alone if you'll leave me alone. And there have been times when I've been t- tempted to take him up on it. Or in my weakness of the flesh, I've cried, Oh, Father, get me out of here. Deliver me from this hour. Deliver me from that which you've called me. But when you say, Father, glorify your name, there is submission in it. Because it means there is conflict. There's been a struggle waged and I have come to the end of it. And I've submitted myself. Rather than ask God to deliver me from it, I will say, no, for this very purpose, I came into this world. Listen, brother and sister, it's no different with you. None at all. For this perfect purpose, you came into this world. Did you know that? The purpose for which God saved you is that you might glorify his name. It wasn't just so you could avoid hell and get to heaven. And that's good. I mean, think about it. If that was the only reason, then what God probably should have done, which you were never more saved than you were right after you accepted Christ, just get us out of here right then. Just get us out of here. Go to heaven. But That's not what it's about. He's left us here for a reason. You are here for a reason. There are purposes for your life that are eternal. One of of the schemes of the devil is to distract us from the purpose for which we have been saved. The American church has been known to run off all kinds of tangents, to get caught up in the latest fad, The newest doctrine, and I think the devil loves it, as long as we don't do the main thing. Sometimes we need to be reminded that for this purpose, we came into the world. I didn't come into the world to escape. I didn't come into the world so that God could give me everything my heart desires like some celestial genie and fill my life with comfort. Yes, our Heavenly Father is concerned about our needs. And Dream and I found this to be true. He has done immeasurably more than I could have ever dreamed or hoped for. But the reason God saved you is not so that you can escape. It is so that you can exalt Jesus Christ. It is a prayer of submission. That's what the book of James was talking about last week. Father, glorify your name. God the Father has to keep bringing us back to this because there are so many other things of interest so many other things that have spiritual tags that have the potential to entangle us and get us sidetracked. And oh, how the devil loves it when we are consumed with things outside the purposes of God for our lives. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Everyone say it with me. Do it all. One more time. Do it all. all. For the glory of God. God. Amen. Do it all. All? All? Yeah. I remember in my first position on a pastoral staff, it was at a uh, church plant. And if you're a staff person on a church plant, it can get pretty rough. And Devin was born in the middle of all that. And uh, it was tough. So when finally I was on staff, I had a variety of jobs. Uh, One which included church custodian. You know, on Sundays it was great. Leading the worship, directing the big choir. woo But on a Saturday... I remember a day when the Lord spoke to me. I was in a stall. It doesn't matter one or the other, but it would happen to be in the ladies' restroom. And I was on my knees cleaning the commode. Now, before this position, I had been singing and traveling from church to church. I mean, that can be difficult at times. But quite honestly... It's a pretty good gig because you show up, and uh, you're the guest. And so they do everything for you. But when you join a church staff, I came to realize, you're you're suddenly, you ain't a star anymore. So I was cleaning this commode, and you're going to think it was arrogant, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, I said things to the Lord like this. God, with all this talent you gave me, with all this ability that I have, I just cannot believe that you called me to clean commodes. And I'll I'll never forget, if God ever spoke to me, he spoke to me in that moment and he said, Ron, if you can't clean commodes for my glory, you will not preach for my glory. Woo, that was an eye-opener. Whatever you do, whatever you do, it may be where there's no applause and you feel like no one cares, but he sees and he cares. And that's what this is all about, that he would receive glory. Glory. first thing I needed was my attitude to change. And when I come to the Father and say, the desire of my heart in this situation, in my family, in my church, in my job, yes, in this problem right now, is that your name would be glorified. Father, I just want your name to come out looking good, looking grand, and looking glorious. Not only is there security, not only is there submission in that prayer, but there's also significance in it. When we say, Father, glorify your name, there's significance in it. Number three, significance. It adds significance to my life, to every event, to every detail of my life. There are two words that you don't see here in verse 28, but they're implied Father, glorify your name. Here's those two words In me. Those two words weren't recorded, but that's exactly what Jesus meant. Father, glorify your name. Put your name on display in me. When you and I pray that same prayer, that is what we mean. Father, glorify your name in me. Do you know what that does? It gives meaning to what's happening to me. To whatever's going on in my life. I'll tell you what it does. It turns inside of that restroom stall in front of that commode into holy ground. I was telling the earlier service, some, some of these young mothers that feel like at 3 in the morning feeding that baby, that what they're doing isn't very significant. That's not how the father sees it. And some of the greatest things that ever happened in my life was at the feet of my mom. Everything we do, everything we do should bring honor and glory to every aspect of my daily life. It's not, you know, I'm not here as an act. It's not incidental. I'm not an accident. From the most minute, smallest thing to the grandest event are significant to what God is doing in my life. My life has eternal value. It has divine purpose for all that I do. Now, in closing, I want you to notice two things. First of all, look at verses 28 and 29. Notice the misunderstanding of the people. The Father answered the prayer, and verse 28 says, Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, will glorify it again. The crowd that was here and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Listen, listen. Any time you put your name on the line and say that all you want to do is glorify the Father... In your life, you can count on it. There will be times that God will take you down certain paths that some folks in your life won't understand. And even though God's being glorified, but they don't understand it. you know why? Because God doesn't always define glory the way we define it. You see, there's people who look only for material things, for financial success as a display of God's glory in our life. And they would say, "Uh, that's just thunder. And then there are those who would say, and they're more spiritually inclined. That's an angel. And they're getting close, but they're still not close enough. What matters, listen, what matters is what God thinks. How God defines his glory being displayed in our lives. And the second thing I want you to notice is the assurance when Jesus prays this. Immediately. There's an answer. Someone says, boy, I wish I could pray like Brother so-and-so. He gets his prayers answered all the time. Well, here, I want to say every one of you. Listen to me, every one of you. I promise you that God will answer. I guarantee it. If you pray this prayer, Father, glorify your name in me today before you walk out of here. I promise you, you can know that the prayer you've offered is going to be answered. It's a promise. So what do you think? you think this would be a great theme for the rest of your life? The reason to get up every morning and say, display your glory in me, Father. Display your glory in me. And what do you think about this? We ought to say to one another and encourage one another, Father, glorify your name. Sometimes in the darkness of the night that we've moved through, we should call out to one another, Father, glorify your name. Because, listen, someday, some morning, and it may be sooner than you think. I don't know about you, but looking around at what's going on in this world, it may be sooner than we think. Together, we'll find ourselves standing where the book of Revelation describes as a sea of glass, singing with the redeemed, Revelation five thirteen. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is within them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Because, friends, that's what it's all about. That's the bottom line. Does my life bring him glory? Can you say Amen. Father, glorify your name. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.